The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 630 p.m. In today's message, we begin looking at the book of Hebrews. In chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, we see a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ high and exalted. You know, the gods of the pagan world were high and lifted up as well. Zeus dwelled on Mount Olympus and was untouchable and unapproachable. The gods of the Egyptians and the gods of the ancient Near East were high and exalted, unapproachable. Our God is high and exalted. We see here in these verses that the Lord Jesus Christ is the express image of God. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. From all appearances from these verses, he appears to be so highly exalted as to be unapproachable as well. But as we continue reading about our Savior, over in the fourth chapter of the book of Hebrews, we understand that not only is he high and exalted, but he is very approachable by his children. We're told that he is touched by the feeling of our infirmities. He was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet without sin. Join us today and tomorrow as we explore the character and the nature of our God, our Savior, who is both high and exalted, and a God who is very approachable by every single one of his children. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit. Blessed be the Father of our Lord, the everlasting God. All praise and honor to His name, His majesty adore. When from the dead He raises
as I said, I've been somewhat um, unsettled on what to preach upon tonight. Uh, uh, but I want you to turn to the book of Hebrews. This morning it, I preached from the fourth chapter, and I do expect to go back there. But, but I want to start out tonight in the first chapter of the book of Hebrews, in the first verse. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the, on the right hand of the majesty on high. As we start this book of Hebrews, Paul, who I believe wrote it, says some words here, speaks some words about the Lord Jesus Christ that we would do well to remember. There was a, a whole lot of different gods in the days of Jesus and in the days this was written. There were a whole lot of different idols that were being worshipped. And when I say gods, I mean little g gods, not big g God. There's only one God, big g, but little g gods. And in, almost without exception, those gods in the pantheon of the pagan world were unapproachable. They were, in some cases, living up on Mount Olympus. The Greeks believe that's where their gods and their chief god, Zeus, dwelled. And they were powerful. They were supernaturally powerful beings. And they weren't like us. They weren't like us. They couldn't um, be approached. They couldn't be approached. They were, in fact, another characteristic of many of those gods is that they like to come down for their own sport and their own entertainment and meddle in the affairs of men and, you know, cause problems for people. Occasionally, some of those gods would come down and would marry a human and their offspring would be what they called a demigod, which was a half man, half god. Uh, Hercules was one of those and others that you can name. And, and they were just in all aspects totally unapproachable. No, you, could not, you could not identify with Zeus or Hermes or Ares, the god of war, or all the various other gods of the ancient Near Middle East, the Near East, ancient Near East. That ancient Near Eastern mysticism was something that permeated the area as well. And it had all kinds, there was all kinds of uh, um, thoughts about salvation, the nature of man, the nature of God. Gnosticism was, was prevalent in that day. In fact, if you understand what the Gnostics believed and you realize what a, a big problem it was philosophically in that day, then you'll understand a whole lot more about what John was writing about in 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, especially 1st John and other places. But the Gnostics basically believed that Salvation was attained through knowledge and progressive increasing your knowledge to the point to where you ultimately could 
maybe come to be a part of the collective um, whole. It was like a it, it got, their God was not a personal God. He was impersonal. He was it was it was a force more than anything else. You remember Star Wars? <laughs> May the force be with you. It was a force. It wasn't a personality. It was a force. It was a something that permeated everything, but didn't really direct anything. And ultimately, as you got more and more knowledge, not smarter and smarter, but gained more and more knowledge you could achieve. And that's an oversimplification of Gnosticism, but it kind of gets the point across. My point is, is that all of these religions had a God that was great in many ways, had much power, much knowledge, greater than humans, but he couldn't be, couldn't be approached. Could not be identified. We, couldn't, we could not identify with that God or those gods. And the flip side is they could not identify with us. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 1. God. God. We assume the existence of God here. I'm not going to try to prove it tonight by the scripture, but I believe I'm speaking to a people that believes in the existence of God. Okay, And here is that God. Okay, the God of the Bible, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. I don't have time tonight to go back through every instance of where uh, God spoke somehow to uh, a man. But in one case, he did so through a burning bush, you may recall. Uh, that's, and that's kind of... You know, the pagan religion, religious people out there, they might get that. They might kind of say, yeah, our gods appear to us in, in different forms too. They, there was a time when, uh, when God appeared, I believe that was God appearing to Abraham as a man. He looked like a man. He, he was uh, uh, talked to him like a man. You recall in Genesis 18, uh, Abraham was sitting in the, in the heat of the day, in the, in the, but, but in the cool of his tent, and, and these three men showed up, and he ran to fix them something to eat, and he took, uh, took all, all the care that he could to take care of their needs, and, and ultimately they told him what they were going to do, which was go down to Sodom. But the first thing they told him was that, Abraham, through your seed, your wife is going to conceive of course, Abraham was too old, and so was Sarah at that time to conceive. But they said, nonetheless, you're going to have a child, and through this child, all nations of the, world, of the earth shall be blessed. Your, your seed will be as the sand of the sea, the stars of the sky. God appeared to men, okay? God appeared to him. And, and by the way, that message is a very important message. We'll hopefully tie it all in here in a few minutes. But we know that he appeared to a farmer. A man named Amos, who was just a husbandman. He wasn't a scholar. He appeared to Jonah, who was a preacher. Jonah was a disobedient preacher. He appeared to uh, the son of a high priest named Jeremiah. He gave them words, and in times past, he spoke to the fathers by the prophets. Now, to this point, up to this point, that is, prior to the New Testament, prior to in the time that uh, the writer of Hebrews is talking about here, God in many ways didn't look. Now, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm about to say. There were many ways in which the God of the Bible could, could almost be um, some of these pagans out here could say, well, yeah, I get that. I, our God's kind of like that too, you know. 
Now, God was clear. God is not to be compared to any, uh, you know, you go back to Isaiah and he'll talk about there is none beside me. And he kept making that point to them and he kept telling them that, that all of the idols of this world are just idols and there's none beside me. Nobody's been my counselor. Nobody, you know, if you go to the, the, the pantheon of Greek gods, you'll see that Zeus sat as the chairman of a council of gods and he would have different other gods like Venus and, uh, or Aphrodite and uh, uh, Hera and others and, and, and Apollo, they would come advise him. And sometimes they would scheme behind his back and he wouldn't know what was going on. You know, but in our God, our God, the God of the Israelites, the God of the Old Testament, and, and of course who is the God of the New Testament, there was nobody that was his counselor. He didn't have a teacher. He didn't have somebody come to him and explain to him, this is how to do it. Let's get together and scheme uh, uh, Jehovah God. Let's get together and talk it out. No, there wasn't that way. But, they, but there, were, there were ways in which it, it could have appeared to those around, surrounding the Israelites that, hey, you know, I kind of get that. Our God is, our gods are kind of like that. They appear to us and you know, you remember when Moses went to Egypt, when Moses went to Egypt, uh, one of the signs that God gave him was to throw down your rod and it'll turn to a snake. Well, you know, the magicians of the Egyptian court did the same thing and their rods turned into a snake. Now, the difference in the snakes and the, and the events there was that one was done by divine power, the other was done by demonic power. But at least there, they say, see, we're like you. We can do this too. But notice what we say as we continue here. This God who spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. By his son. Now, I've told you already that Zeus and Hera and uh, Aphrodite and some of the other gods and the different areas, the Egyptian gods and all that, in their mythology, they had offspring. In fact, one of the, I don't even want to get into it too much, but I'll just say that one of the, one of the primary tenets of Greek religion was that Zeus and his brothers and sisters and all that killed their parents, uh, the original gods, you know. So there was some degree of a God having a child, but in every case, the gods who had children either were in conflict with them or the children were lesser than the God who bore them. But here we see something different. Now we're beginning to see a difference. Now understand, I, I don't want to stop and just throw this out here so you'll understand it. There's always been a difference. There was always a difference between Jehovah God and all the other gods. But it's just that those living around the Israelites did not always see that. They didn't have the, or, you know, over in Romans chapter 3, it says, What advantage then hath the Jew? And, and, and the answer is much, every way. For through them came the oracles of God. The Jews had the true, the, the true writings and the truth about God. And so they ought to, they knew better or they should have known better. Okay. But, but there were ways in which those living around didn't understand that. So there's nothing new here happening except that it's just we're about to see the real marked difference between our God and the gods 
of the pagans. In these last days, he has spoken unto us by his son. He has a son, and we, we, we don't have time to go into it tonight, but just understand that this son was not um, created. It was not uh, the son of God. Well, in fact, in, you just go back to uh, John chapter 1 and verse 1, and we read that in the beginning was the word. Not, not after the beginning, not after God created him. In the beginning was the Word, capital W, Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. <laughs> so in the beginning, this Son that we're talking about was there with God, and the reason he was there with God is because he was God. And we also, if you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 and about verse 2, I believe it is, where it says in verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. We see the three-part God right there. He is one who manifests in three persons. The three-person God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. How did he do that? Did the heavens open up and you heard this booming voice come down? Did the heavens open up and, and, and somehow uh, God, uh, or did God send his angels down somehow to, uh, uh, to be uh, the heralds of, of his truth and, and to tell about this, this son of his? No. <laughs> we read in Luke chapter 2 that it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. As you skip on down, it says that Joseph went up from Galilee to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And listen to what happened. She brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now <laughs> we see something amazing. Because we're about to hear from an angel who says in verse 11, verse 10, to some shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This is, this is not some ignominious event, although it appears that way from the world. And in the pagan pantheology, it was always some glorious, amazing thing that occurred when a god was born and there was some great uh, supernatural events. But here in this case, this god was born under what we would call today desperate circumstances to a poor couple who were in the plight of having been uprooted from their home at a time when the wife needed to be at home the most. And they didn't even have a bed to lay him in. He didn't even have a place to, to put that child except a dirty old manger, a feed trough, we would say today. And that's the son he's talking about here. Now, what we know that the world did not know at that time is that that which is conceived was conceived of her was of the Holy Ghost. And we also know, because we have the Bible that we can read, that the angel told 
Joseph, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Very ignominious beginning, but oh, what a glorious ending we see down the road, where the cross, as inglorious as it was, as shameful as it was, will be the crowning glory of the redemptive, the purpose of God in redemption. Isn't that amazing? So this is the son we're talking about. Now, let's look at this son for a moment. He hath appointed him heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, and he is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. The express image there means that he is the identical likeness of God. In every respect, he is a perfect image, a perfect representation of that which he represents, which is God. That's a different word. It's the character, the, the, the Greek word character, which we get our word character from. You know, we're told in other places that we're going to be the image. We're going to be in the image of Christ, but that's not the same word in the Greek. Because we'll never be the character of Christ. <laughs> but Jesus is the character of God. He is the express image. We're, called, we're, going to be, we're predestinated to be conformed to the image of Christ, but we're not ever going to be the express image because we'll never be Christ. But Christ really was God. And he is the one who is the heir of all things. He is, he is the sole heir of the Father on high who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, who doesn't ask anyone if he's hungry, who doesn't need anybody to help him out. He owns it all. And by the way, that thousand hills is not a literal thousand hills. And you get to the thousand and first hill and he doesn't own that, those cattle. No, it's a representation for all of the hills in all of the world. God owns it all. And because Jesus is the heir, he owns it all. Oh my, what a glorious person this is, who being the brightness of his glory. I read about a time when Moses could not look upon God because, and well, no one can look upon God and live, but I, I read of a time when Moses asked to look upon God, and he said, you can't do it because you would basically be obliterated. You can't do that and live, but I'll just set you in a cleft of the rock while I pass by, and I'll put my hand over you until my backside, my hinder parts go by. And when Moses looked upon the hinder parts of God, looking on the backside of God was almost over too overwhelming because when he came down the mountain, his face was shining with such glory <laughs> that they couldn't even look upon him. Just looking at the backside of God did that. <laughs> it was evident he had been with God. See, <clears throat> Jesus Christ is the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and he upholds all things by the word of his power. What a great God we're talking about. Now, now so far, this God, this Son of God, sounds a little bit like those gods that are untouchable that the pagans worship. I mean, I don't know about you, but it, it intimidates me to think about approaching a God like this. He's so powerful that he is upholding all things just by his word. If you go all the way back to the scriptures, to the beginning of the scriptures, you'll find that when he created this world, God just spoke it into existence. 
He didn't, he didn't get hot and sweaty and tired and all that. He didn't labor in this. He just said, let there be light. <laughs> you know, I can, I can almost see, I mean, can you imagine? Have you ever done anything? I've, I've done things. Say, hey, watch this, you know. <laughs> watch this. Watch me do this. You know, I can almost see God, and I'm not diminishing him, but I'm just using this as an example. But I can almost see God said, hey, watch this. <laughs> I'm fixing to create a universe. And if we'd been there, which we weren't, but Job, Job settled that. <laughs> But if we'd been there, we'd say, all right, man, let's get ready. What's he going to do? Is he going to cause a fusion reaction? Is he going to cause combustion to occur? Is he going to do, what's he going to do? How's he, boy, it's going to be tough. <laughs> you know how anticlimactic it would have been to, to be there and think about, oh, wow, he's fixing to get all hot and sweaty and he's going to be doing all this stuff. What's he going to do? And he just says, let there be light. <laughs> There's light. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.